Okay. In today's day and age, uh, it, it, the world's fighting tooth and nail to redefine the family. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, there's talk of pregnant men and homosexual partnerships that are scarring the minds of, of children in the, in the homes, right? Uh, the order of the family that God has constructed has been compromised, right? Uh, women are leading houses while men sit lazy and they refuse to raise their children. You know, men have become soft, honestly, and, and fathers have become rare and addiction has spiked astronomically. Um, drugs and alcohol have stripped uh, homes of fathers and have led children to be raised by mothers and oftentimes uh, the state and oftentimes children have uh, had to pay the consequences of, of their father's actions, right? And in the U.S., let me give you some statistics. <clears throat> in the U.S., 23.9 million children live absent of their biological fathers. Fatherless children represent 63% of teen suicides. 70% Fatherless children represent 70% of juveniles in state institutions. Fatherless children represent 71% of high school dropouts. 75% of children in chemical abuse centers. 80% of rapists. 85% of youths in prison. Fatherless children represent 90% of homeless and one runaway children. So now you tell me that fatherhood isn't important, okay? You've seen the numbers. Um, it's never been so important as it is now to speak about biblical fatherhood. Guys, we need fathers. We need men. We need fathers and men who will stand up and be present and teach their children to be biblical, right? Um, and in this section of Scripture, we see a charge from David, who is a father, to his son Solomon. And he's charging him to his ministry, right? And, and in this charge uh, from a father to his son, I want to point out five areas that are crucial to biblical fatherhood. So like I said, First Chronicles chapter 28, let's read verses 9 through 10. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. If you seek Him, He will let you find Him. But if you forsake Him, He will reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be courageous and act. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. And God, I just pray that you would help us to examine the truths that are here in this charge from one father to, to his son. And that, God, you would help us to understand uh, your love, Father. That you're the best Father that there could ever be. And that we could realize that, Lord, and accept that love today. That we would be changed. That, and that it would affect um, our fatherhoods. And, and, and it would affect the way that we treat our families, God. And I just pray that each and every person here, man, woman, or child, would uh, receive a, just something to take home and apply to their lives. And be changed forever. God, I just pray that you'd help me to preach. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, this brings us to our first point, and write this down if you get the chance. Fatherhood is teaching our children to know God. So look at verse 9. Know the God of your father. So it's the single most important thing that a father can teach their child is to know God, right? Everything else doesn't matter. I love to fish and all those things, but teaching your kid how to fish or how to hunt or throw a football or any of those things, are, are they're second to, or they don't matter compared to teaching your children to know God. And not just to know God, but to know the God of their father. And it was evident to Solomon here, uh, who David's talking to, uh, it's evident to Solomon by David's life that he worships Yahweh, that he worships the one true God, the creator of the universe, that he worships the great I Am, that he worships the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he worships the God who brought Israel out of captivity and parted the Red Sea. 
The God who led Israel through the wilderness and provided for them manna and quail and water from a rock. Uh, The God who defeated their enemies and gave them the promised land. The, The God who gave David the strength to defeat the lion and the bear and the giant Goliath, right? It's evident to Solomon that this is the God that his daddy David worships. And it is this God, the only God, that David is charging his son Solomon to know. And he's telling him to, uh, to know his attributes, to know his testimonies, to know his law, to know his name, to know God. The God who rescued David time and time again. You see those things in the Psalms, right? Um, the God who showed David mercy and forgiveness. The God who disciplined and corrected David. Yahweh, God. The God who served David and the God whom David served. Know the God of your father. That is who he is calling him to know. Yahweh. Uh, So the, the single most important thing that a father can teach a child is to know God, but not just with their head, but also with their heart. Adrian Rogers said that many people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches, the distance from your head to your heart. So not to, teach, not to teach them just to know God with your head, but also with your heart. A father teaches their child not just to know God, but to love God and to cherish God above all else, everything else, right? And this head knowledge and love from the heart will lead our children into a life of service for God. Uh, for what does the scripture say? To love the Lord thy God with all of your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength. Your love for Jesus, your love for God will catapult you into service for Him, amen? And so this kind of segues us into our next point. Uh, The second way is fatherhood is teaching our children to serve God. These things kind of hit home to me because I'm not a father yet, but I'm getting ready to be. And as I'm looking in the scriptures and I'm finding all the help that I can get on how to raise my son, because I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm honestly, I'm freaked out all the way, dude. I'm like, Naomi, you got two jobs. You got to help me. You got to help me raise this baby. You got to raise this baby because I don't know, like, like. Emotionally and spiritually, I got you. But when it comes to surviving, buddy, you better learn how to eat real quick because I got no idea what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? So I'm really quite scared if you can't tell. So anyways, uh, uh, fatherhood is teaching our children to serve God. Look at verse 9 again. And serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thought. So David charges Solomon to serve God in two major ways, both with the mind and with the heart. But it's more than that, okay? So David is charging Solomon to be fully committed to God. I mean, look what he says. He says, with a whole heart and a willing mind. And David knows better than anybody that God desires a broken and contrite heart, right? Bulls and goats and sheeps and sacrifices, they they don't matter. If it's not done with a whole heart and a willing mind, it's done for nothing, amen? For God and God alone searches every heart and understands every intent of the thought. He knows when we give our time, our money, our resources for the purpose of being seen. He knows when we give not cheerfully, but begrudgingly. He knows when we serve Him not uh, because uh, we want to or get to, but because we have to. He knows every Wednesday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday, those of us who show up, not because we love Jesus and want to share the gospel, but because we have to be there. He knows those things. He knows our thoughts, our motives, and our hearts. I'm not kidding you guys. Sometimes I show up to church and I'm like, man, I don't want to be here, but I have to be here. Help me, Lord, fix my heart. 
right? It starts with me. Sometimes it's like, man, I have to go and do this thing. That's not the right attitude to have. I get to do these things because Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He's allowed me to have a small part in this. Thank you, Lord. What a privilege, right? He knows our thoughts, our motives, our hearts, and and God alone is worthy of our worship. He alone is worthy of our undivided attention. He's worthy of a whole heart and a willing mind that's fixed on Him. He deserves it all. It's like the first song that we sing. You know, and this is David's charge to his son Solomon to serve God with everything you got, lay it all on the line, leave it all on the field. This, fathers, ought to be our charge to our children. To serve God with all of, all of your heart, with pure motives. To leave it all on the field. To sell out for Jesus. Lay it all on the line and seek God out daily in order to serve Him. This leads us into our next point. We'll go through these points rather quickly. If I stay on each one for very long, then we'll be here for 50 minutes instead of 30. So, uh, the, the third point is, fatherhood is teaching our children to seek God. Look at that third part of verse 9. If you seek Him, He will let you find Him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. So as humans, we, we respond to things um, or situations by exercising three major areas of, of who we are, our makeup. We, we exercise our mind, our emotion, and our will to be able to do that. So as humans, that's how we operate, is mind, emotion, and will. And looking at what David has charged Solomon with already, we, we see that he has charged him to know God, so to exercise his mind, right? To serve God with the whole heart and a... And a willing mind. So he's exercising his emotion and his devotedness for God. And to seek God. So to exercise his will. And as fathers, we teach our children in a balance of intellect and emotion. So we teach them in a balance of mind and emotion. So when we're teaching our children the things about God, we're teaching them to know God. And we're helping them to exercise their mind. Are you tracking with me? Uh, When we're teaching them to love God and we're praying for them that they'll have a personal relationship uh, with with God, then we're helping them to exercise their emotion and really love God with their whole heart. You still tracking with me here? Um, And so that is the balance of intellect and emotion. And all the while, simultaneously, we're teaching them to respond to the information that's given to them. The, The information that we've given them about knowing God with your mind and loving God with your heart is just all information if they don't act on it, right? So now we're we're beginning to challenge their will, challenging their will. We're wanting them to react to what we're telling them. We're teaching them to seek God on their own, right? It's like the point of preaching where you bring about the application. And so it's the so what? Now do something with it. I put the ball in your court, right? So you can't seek God for your child. Um, let me say this. You can petition God on their behalf. You can pray until your knees bleed uh, to God on, on their behalf. But you can't, you can't make your child have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you with me here, right? You can do everything that you can to bring them there, to tell them, to share, to, um, um, to pray. But you can't make them accept Jesus. You can't make them get saved. You can't make them know God or fall in love with Jesus. They must exercise their own will and seek Him on their own. Proverbs eight seventeen. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. So what are some practical ways that we can teach our children to seek God? 
Uh, the, the first way I think is obvious is, is just study, to study the word. So the Bible says to show thee, or show thee, study to show thyself approved, a worker who need not to be ashamed, um, who rightly dividing the word of truth, right? So God reveals himself not in, um, not in special revelation or anything like that, but he reveals himself to us in this word. Everything we need to know about God is here in this Bible, amen? So he reveals himself to us in his word. So we seek God through study to know more about the God of the Bible, to know more about his attributes, his names, and who he is and what he's done in his testimonies. That's a lot of the times what um, uh, in the Psalms and even in the New Testament when they're calling him back to remembering Israel. He's, he's like, remember what God did? He parted the Red Sea. Can you do that? Do you remember what he's done? Have you for so, for, so vastly forgotten what he's done? Right. So he's calling him back to know God. So we, so we can seek God through study. Uh, and I just want to say this, that, that one who does not read their Bible cannot say that they truly know God. Amen? This is where you know God. This is where you find God. This is Him. It's, it's very important to teach our children to, to love to study the Bible. From the, uh, it's important to catechize them in the Word. So from the time that they're itty-bitty knee-high to a grasshopper's butt, you're singing songs to them, right? And you're, you're reading Bible stories to them. You're, you're teaching them the Bible. That's catechism. That's that Word. So you're teaching them all these things, man, so they can grow up in the admonition of the Lord and that they might come to know Jesus and have a personal relationship with Him and be saved. You're doing your part, right? There's, a, there's an old nursery song, read your Bible and you'll grow, grow, grow. Neglect your Bible and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. And, and maybe I can't sing it. You sing it. Read your Bible. We'll end every day. Go to YouTube videos. Okay, the second way that we can teach um, our kids to... Seek God is to obey God. So what's the point of teaching them all this word if they don't obey what they read, right? So not only do we study the word, but we obey what we read. Psalm 119 verse 2. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So we seek God when we obey God's word in repentance and holy living. So God pours out his Holy Spirit on holy people. So if you want a revival in your home or if you want a revival in your city, obey the Bible and watch what happens. Amen. Fathers, teach your kids to obey the Bible and live holy lives and watch what happens. Obey the Bible first, fathers, and and watch your children fall in line. The third way that we can seek God is, is through prayer. I mean, you look at Jesus, right? He often went and, and he withdrew to a solitary place. And what did he do? He went and got alone with, Jesus, with God, right? And he prayed. What was he doing? He was seeking out the Father. He's praying just like we prayed, right? He needed assistance. He needed help. He needed guidance. He needed strength. He's praying all the while too. I would have loved to have been able to be there in those moments to see how he prayed and what he talked to the Father about. Sweet moments and intimate, sweet hour of prayer. So it's in prayer that we're seeking God's intervention in a situation. It's in prayer that we're seeking God's providence, that He would provide for us, um, that He would uh, provide in a certain situation. It's in prayer that we're seeking God's justice to be done, His mercy, His forgiveness. I don't know about you, but I need a lot of forgiveness today. Amen? Today and tomorrow and the next day. I'm always going to God. Forgive me, Lord. I'm a sinner. It's, it's, it's in prayer that we go to God and we're seeking out grace, right? 
Prayer is a lifeline to Christians. Charles Spurgeon is a great man of prayer. And he said, I'd rather teach, I'd rather teach one man to pray than a dozen men to preach. It's powerful, right? So we must teach our children to be a praying people. Um, and then a, a, another way that we can seek God is through fasting. It's my least favorite spiritual discipline, but it's a good one, right? Um, it, it's through fasting that we're setting aside food and we're setting aside other distractions to focus all of our attention on God. It's in fasting that we're totally dependent on God and we're focused on seeking Him. Every time that I've ever fasted, it's been a sweet, intimate moment with the Lord. And He's given me discernment every time. It's never failed me yet. So teaching our children to lay down the things that are distracting them and setting aside the time to getting alone with God and seeking His face will change their lives forever. You can take that to the bank, amen? It'll cash every time. Teaching them to lay aside the things that are distracting them and to dedicate themselves to spending alone time with God will change their lives forever. So think about this. What if, what if you told your child, hey, put up the video games for an hour this evening and read your Bible and pray. Watch what's going to happen. What if you said, hey, put down your phone. We're going to come in here and do a family devotion for 30 minutes. Let's go and watch what's going to happen. Your family will be transformed, I promise you, because it's in the Bible. And it's true. And it's happened through church history and over the years and over the years. You don't have to go to a therapist or to a counselor to figure that one out. It's true. It's the basics, right? Show them that you're committed to God. Show them that you're committed to God and that you're willing to sacrifice comforts and watch what happens. Uh, my father-in-law, Rick, he made a big step when he was moving from Springfield up here to Omaha. Uh, the company that he worked for was going to pay him a whole lot of money and they offered to buy him a new truck and all the things, right? But he said, no, God called me to go to Omaha and we're going. Think about the impact that that had on his family. My wife still talks about that today. Amen? And what a good reminder. It changed her life forever. So, of course, there's more areas in which we can teach our kids to seek God. However, it's in these four major areas that us, our children, and everyone else will discern and discover what both God's general will is and His particular will is for our lives. Knowing the will of God is very important as Christians, and that can only be discovered when we seek Him. And knowing the will of God leads us to considering the specific calling that God has laid before us. So look there at verse 10. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. It's hot in here, dude. I'm burning up. Thank you, Lord. Let's go. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Our fourth applicational point. Fatherhood is helping, you, helping your child to consider their calling. Fatherhood is helping your child to consider their calling. So when we aren't in the will of God, when we're not doing what we're called to do, we oftentimes have zero peace and we have a whole lot of conviction from the Holy Spirit, right? When we're not doing what we're supposed to do. I go on a vacation sometimes for a week and I'm like, man, I, I need to be preparing a sermon. I need to be back in Omaha. I need to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Or, or when I think I've got a great idea, Lord, I know you're calling me to this. I know you're going. I know that's where I'm supposed to go. I got heavy fire all the way around me. Deep conviction. I can't sleep at night. I can't get no peace because I'm not operating the will of God. God's called each one of us to a place. He's called each one of us to a ministry. He's called each one of us to a church, uh, to some form of particular or some particular form of service. God has a unique and individual plan for all of our lives, and He's called us all to something. What is it in your life that He's called you to do? 
So in, the, in context, Solomon was called not only to be a king, but to build a temple, uh, to, but to build the temple of God. And God made this very clear to David, right? So why would God tell David what his son was called to do? Why wouldn't he just tell Solomon? Okay, we'll get there here in a second, but... But David desired to build a temple. He wanted to build that temple, the house of the Lord, more than anything else, right? But David couldn't build the temple. Why? Because he was a man of war. He had blood on his hands, right? I mean, David had the plans. He had the blueprints. God gave him the plans to build the temple. Yet God told him, I know how bad you want to build the temple, but you can't. It's not for you. I've chosen your son to build that temple, okay? His son Solomon was supposed to build it. God used David. Why did he tell David? Well, God used David to prepare his boy Solomon to build the temple and sit as king of Israel. So tradition tells us that Solomon was actually only 12 years old when he, when he became king. He was a young boy, and you see it in 1 Kings chapter 3. When, when Solomon asked for wisdom, why is he asking for wisdom? He says, I'm just a little child. I'm a little child is what he says. I need wisdom, God, more than anything else. Help me to discern right from wrong here. He's a little boy. He's 12 years old. He wasn't old and mature. David even says that he's inexperienced. He was inexperienced and he was a child. He needed wisdom from God. He needed direction from his earthly father in answering his calling. We need to be able to give direction to our children in answering their calling, fathers, okay? And as a young child uh, should be, he was dependent on his father and he needed help, right? What a beautiful place for a child to be at. What, uh, I, can't, I can't imagine the, the honor that you feel as a father when your kid comes to you and they say, Daddy, I need you. Daddy, will you tie my shoes? Daddy, will you help me fix my bike? All these things. I, I can't imagine that. And, and I'm going to be able to experience it soon. But just to feel like the man, right? He needs me. It's here in this section that, that David is uh, reminding his son to consider his calling. You know, he has mighty, he has mighty and noble things that, that must be done that will only be accomplished by uh, considering his calling. By knowing God. By serving God and by seeking God. It's the only way these tasks are going to be able to be accomplished. In the same way as his fathers, God gives us insight. Or in the same way as fathers, God gives us insight into what areas of service our children are called to serve in. Right? So we recognize their gifting. We affirm their gift. And we remind them and push them the best that we can in that direction. So it's, it's needless to say, you see that Journey can sing, right? Um, and, and so they've recognized her gift. They're pushing her towards that gifting. They're affirming their calling, right? And they want to see her be able to answer her calling. They're, they're calling her to be able to accept her calling. She got a scholarship at, to Mobile, Alabama. Like, go, they're saying, get, get gone to that Christian school, right? Go. Pushing her the best that they can. That's good, that's good stewardship, guys. That's, that's good stewardship that we push our children in the direction in which they've been called. Not that we would keep them from what they've been called to do. And, how do, and how, do we, how do we push our children into the direction where they've been called? Well, we push them through prayer. We push them through affirmation. We push them through discipline sometimes. We push them through affection. But we also do it through calling them to action. Go. And oftentimes answering the call of God is a very scary thing, Right? It's super scary to step out on, on a limb, right, for God sometimes. You've got your little comfort spot over here, your little comfortable place. And you're like, man, I don't want to get out from here, Lord. I need to step out to this calling. But you don't want to. It's scary. And how much better it would be if somebody just walked up behind you and gave you a big old shove sometimes, right? That's what you need to do as a parent. Go. Get. Call them to action. Give them a shove in the most loving way that you can. We must remember as fathers that our children need us to call them to action. Look at verse, uh, verse 10, the second part. 
Be courageous and act. The fifth way is that of, of biblical fatherhood is that fatherhood is calling your child to take action. Remember what I said, that Solomon is a little child who is about to be king. That's so crazy to me. A little child who is about to be king and is about to build the temple of the only true and awesome God. What a fearful thing to consider. Imagine the weight on his shoulders. He's going to be king of a whole nation. He's going to build a temple for the only living God. Yeah, what a fearful thing. People are getting killed for, for touching the ark. And he's like, man, I'm going to build your temple? Scary. Scary stuff. It's a little child who's about to lose his father to old age. His lifeline, his crutch, his help. He's about to lose his father. What's he going to do now? And needless to say, Solomon is probably nervous. He's very timid. Solomon needs a word, right? He needs a word. He needs a call to action. So think about, uh, think, I want you to think about this like a speech from a quarterback in a halftime, uh, you know, in, in, in a huddle. You know, they're, they're down by three. There's, there's one minute on the clock. It's third and goal. It's go time. Think about that moment. You've got them huddled up here and that quarterback's giving them this speech. Let's go, boys. Come on. We can hit it. It's go time, right? That's what I think of when I see these words spoken to Solomon. Be courageous and act. It's go time. Third and goal, boy. Get it, right? Sometimes they need a push like that. They need a call to action. It's like David saying, step up. It's go time. It's time to be a man. Don't let anyone despise you for your youth. Be strong. Remember your calling, right? Remember the God that you serve. Remember the God that I serve. Remember what He's done in my life. Think about what He's going to do for you, boy. Go. Answering the call of God, like I said, can be hard. It can be scary. It's important to know uh, that where God called us to be, He's going to equip us to give us the strength necessary to answer that calling. Amen. Wherever God's called us to be, He's going to equip us to be able to answer that calling. So God equips the called. Remember that God chooses the lowly things of the world to shame the wise, right? God is in the business of using weak vessels. God's in the business of using small men to slay giants. God is in the business of using unskilled people in speech to be preachers. God is uh, in the business of reducing armies to 300 men, right? God is in the business of giving strength to those of us who, who need it and glorifying himself in our weakness. He is in the business of choosing the lowly things of the world to shame the wise. Amen? Thank you, Lord, that his glory might be displayed in our weakness. What an awesome paradox. Amen? So, fathers, teach your children to know God. Teach your children to serve God. Teach your children to seek God. Fathers, take a hands-on approach to raising your children. Help them to, to consider the calling that God has placed on their lives. Call them to action. And fathers, if you don't raise them, the world's going to raise them. And Satan's going to rip your children apart piece by piece, limb by limb. I promise you that. If you don't take action now and raise your children, Satan and the world will. And it's not going to end out right. It ain't going to end up good. It's time to restore biblical fatherhood. And what if you haven't done that in your life so far? What if you've been dropping the ball your whole entire life? It's never too late to start. God is a God of mercy and forgiveness and grace, right? Start today. Start today. Start investing in your children's lives today, fathers. And it starts with you. Start investing in your relationship with God and watch what it will do with your relationship with your children. Your first ministry is your home. So worry about them first before you worry about anyone else. Don't place money or ministry or any other thing but God before your wife and your kids. What would it profit? I heard this from a, from a man who discipled me while I was in prison, and it was so good. 
I got everybody in the world telling me how to plant a church and where to go from here and how to answer the next calling, right? And, and, and when I had this vision trip, these people had come. I sent a text message back to my friend, Matt Milligan, and I said, hey, man, how'd that vision trip go? Did they catch the vision? You know, he didn't even answer me. He said, how's your wife? And I was like, man, that, that hit hard. Because why? Because I wasn't thinking about my wife. All I was doing was thinking about ministry. I'm thinking about it's my day off. I'm supposed to be spending with my wife. And I'm out here contacting him to see how ministry went, right? He said, how's your wife? And he called me and he said, I want to ask you a question. And, and I want you to think about this, or I want, I want you to think about this verse. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? And he said, now for once in your life, take that out of context. What would it profit you to gain everything you ever wanted in ministry, but look behind you and your wife isn't there with you? What would it profit you to see that your family's back there struggling? Man, that hit me hard that I had all my priorities in all the wrong places. I wasn't thinking about my wife. I wasn't thinking about my kid that was coming up. All I was thinking about was my stupid little prideful calling that I felt. That I felt that, that, that I made up in my own mind. But what's not time yet? So here's the thing. My ministry first is my home. I'm worrying about my wife and my kids first. And I, father, I, I challenge you fathers to do the same thing. You know, what would it profit you to gain everything you ever wanted but look behind you and your family's long gone? They're not happy. They hate their lives. If you haven't been teaching your children to know God, to serve God... To seek God, if you haven't been helping to cultivate their calling, if you haven't been encouraging them to take action, it's not too late, okay? Like I said, start now. God's merciful. He's forgiving. And seeking God will lead you to a biblical fatherhood. Don't pass up one of the greatest joys in life. Be the father that God's called you to be. And, and, and what about this, man? What if you don't get to see your kids? What if you only get to see them uh, once every other weekend and, and on the holidays? What if you only get to have them once every other summer or something like that? Just be faithful where you are then, okay? Be the father they deserve in whatever way you're able to. Be faithful where you are. Make your relationship right with Jesus first. And make it count. When you do get them every other weekend, make it count. Okay? When you do get them on the holidays, make it count. Point them to Christ while you can and when you can with every opportunity that you get to. Don't waste your time with your children. Pray God will fill the gap of fatherhood while you're absent, while you're separated, because He can be a better father than any of us could ever be. Amen? So trust in Him to be that father while you're gone, while they're separated from you. I'm sorry for the pain that you feel for not having your children. I I promise you, I'm sorry. I've been that child. But pray that God would step in and intervene in your life. And one thing that we saw here in this section of Scripture, and hang with me, I'm almost done. One thing that we saw here is that David was charging his young, son, his young son Solomon to answer his call from God to be king and to build a temple. And I want to remind you of this, that God the Father called his son Jesus Christ uh, to be king and to, be, and to build a temple that could never be destroyed. Amen. Jesus Christ, the king of kings, was born of a virgin. He, he lived this perfect life. He suffered at the hands of sinners. He died. He rose again. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he's returning to establish his kingdom for ever on earth. Amen? God has established this Jesus from the tribe of Judah, descendant of David, to sit on the Davidic throne forever. It's that Jesus. And it is through faith in Jesus that we receive His Spirit and become living temples of God that are destined for eternal life with Him. So do you have that Spirit of the living God in you today? Are you sure you know where you're going to spend eternity? Where are you going to spend eternity at? Are you a temple of the Holy God? Make that certain today. 
Know the Father who cares for you and desires, or yet know the Father who cares for you and desires for that no one should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Know God, serve God, seek God, consider your own calling and act on it today. Okay, let's pray. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you, God, just for being an awesome Father. And God, I just pray that you would challenge each and every one of us men in here tonight that our fathers are looking to be fathers too. Just challenge us, God, to be better fathers, to help us, God, to, to be fathers who challenge their kids to answer their call in ministry and to be able to send out arrows that are, you know, missionaries and uh, creatures and worship leaders and just lay Christians and people who just love Jesus. Help us, God, to, to do that work. We're unable, but you're able. So we pray that you would equip us, God, to do these things. I pray that you would restore families in this place tonight. That you would um, that you would adopt people into your family tonight. That they would know you as Father. That they would cry out to you as Abba here in this place tonight, God. I pray that you would remove burdens and pains and insecurities and addictions. I pray, God, that you would that you would break the cycle tonight in this place, God. Move in a mighty way. It's in Jesus' name, Amen.